Rashard Lewis playing off the ball. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! As the Cavaliers Welcome, everybody, to the new episode of the Truth and Rally podcast. I am your host, Anthony Roman, reporting in the middle of nowhere. The next up you just heard was a game-winning three that LeBron James did in his first stint with the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs versus the Orlando Magic. The announcer that you heard on the TV was Merv Albert. Merv Albert, at 79 years old, has announced that this will be his last playoffs as a TV announcer for, for games in the NBA. He had a great career. He had a long stint with the Knicks as their announcer. He had a little bit of controversy, but which players don't have controversy? His son dabbles a little bit in basketball and does football for Fox Sports. But long story short, at 79 years old, ladies and gentlemen, Murph Albert is retiring. Now, last episode, I talk about adjustments. Everything about playoffs is about adjustments. Everything about the playoffs is about what is not working. Can you make the right adjustments to win games and stop being so stubborn and thinking, let me continue trying a w- something that worked in the regular season in the postseason and end up continuously failing because you're unwilling to make adjustments. Well, the New York Knicks, after maybe 74, 75 games, they made an adjustment. They added Derrick Rose, his offensive spark that he was doing as a sixth man for the majority of the season. They inserted him in the lineup, and he put Peyton not just out of, the, out of the starting lineup, but just basically out of the playoffs. And in return, they still lost. But no matter what, ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud of what my Knicks did this, this uh, past season and basically going to the playoffs. We weren't predicted to do what we did. You know, after having a long stretch of continuously going to the playoffs within the last 21 seasons, 20 seasons, we have had more seasons of suffering, of making bad moves, uh, hurting our salary cap, and more. But we finally have some young p- pieces that could potentially help us in the long run. Hopefully they can continue to progress uh, this offseason, you know, study film and basically make, find the mistakes and grow again. R.J. Barrett did it last this past, uh, last offseason. Hopefully he's able to do it yet again and become even more efficient and better scorer. He still looked like he had a lot to learn this season where he had games where he looked great and he had other games where he looked completely cold. But long story short, my Knicks made an adjustment and it did nothing for them because it seemed like in every game there was one quarter where we did not score over 20 points. In the first two or three games, we scored under 20, under 20, under 20 points. Yesterday in game five in the Madison Square Garden, the Knicks in, game, in the third quarter scored under 20 points. Long story short, ladies and gentlemen, in the Eastern Conference, the Knicks are not the only team that was eliminated within the last five days, but the Washington Wizards, the Celtics, and the Heat were eliminated from the playoffs. Second round is set up for the Sixers versus the Hawks. Joel Embiid is hurt. We'll see if he can come back some point in the second round. Brooklyn will be facing the Bucks. 
And long story short, ladies and gentlemen, the Heat are eliminated, which means what, ladies and gentlemen? It means the team that represented the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals will not be going back to the NBA Finals because they have been eliminated in the first round. And ladies and gentlemen, they didn't look like they wanted to be in the playoffs because they were losing by 20 points, 30 points the last couple games. It just looked like maybe there was some kind of uh, hangover or whatever that was over them that they just didn't look like they had the same magic, the same uh, urgency or whatever you want to call it to basically stay in the playoffs like they did, like they had last year. But long story short, they eliminated. And I think that the Sixers and the Brooklyn will probably win their series in the second round and meet each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. On to the Western Conference, ladies and gentlemen. The Western Conference is actually making things a little bit more interesting. And the fact that three out of the four series will go to a six-game, rather than, unlike the Eastern Conference where no games went to the sixth or seventh game because they were all done by the fifth game. The only game that series that is done is the Utah Jazz have beaten the Grizzlies where this looks like a complete offensive uh, showdown between both teams. You know, it just seemed like the Jazz couldn't score under 120. And the same with the Grizzlies kept on matching up with the scoring. But long story short, the defense of the Jazz was just too much for them in the, in the second half, in the fourth quarter. And long story short, the Jazz are going on. The Suns may beat the Lakers, ladies and gentlemen, not because they're better, but because the Lakers have lost Anthony Davis. And it sure lasts the last game between the Suns and the Lakers where the Lakers lost by at least 30 points. Oh, they were losing by 30 points majority of the game. They just didn't look like the same team. As of right now, the Suns have a great chance of winning unless LeBron and, and the Lakers make certain adjustments that helps them get back into the series. The Denver and Portland series, Denver is up 3-2. Personally, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to see the Portland Bla uh, Trailblazers win the series. Win the, win the series. The previous game five, Damian Lillard looked amazing. He kept on hitting clutch threes in the fourth quarter. He hit more clutch threes in the first overtime. But in the second overtime, maybe fatigue uh, finally set in for this team. Because it looked like the Blazers just couldn't overcome the Denver Nuggets in the second overtime. And Denver was able to win. But we'll see what happens in, the next, in, in Game 6. If the Blazers could make this game go to a Game 7. Or will they lose and Denver Nuggets go on to the second round. To the next series. The Clippers. The Clippers late again, yet again are facing the Dallas Mavericks. You know, last season, they looked like they were able to outmatch the inexperienced Luka in the playoffs. And maybe it's a good thing that Luka is facing the team that he lost to last year because he knew he knew how to play. And this is his second chance. You know, back in the 90s, it always seemed like we always saw the same teams face each other in the first or second round of the NBA, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals. It just seemed like we always saw the Pacers, the Heat, the Knicks, and the Bulls somehow always face each other multiple times within the last five to ten years in the NBA in the NBA playoffs in the 90s. And as of right now, second year in a row, we're going to see the Clippers and Mavs. And who's going to win, ladies and gentlemen? Personally, I want Luka to win, but we'll see what happens. I, one of the reasons why I want Luka to win, ladies and gentlemen, 
and the Mavs to win is because I want Kawhi Leonard to want to leave the Clippers and come to the New York Knicks and opt out of his contract with the Clippers and sign a big contract to be the New York Knicks and help New York Knicks become one of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference. Wishful thinking. More news coming out of the uh, out of the NBA. Danny Ainge retired yesterday at 62 years old. Coach Brad Stevens, who was the coach for the last eight seasons, is going to take Danny Ainge's position as an executive of head of basketball operations. At 44 years old, it's so crazy. Brad Stevens at 44 is stepping down from being coach. So long story short, if he's a good executive, we may see something where he's it for he's the executive for maybe three or five years, steps down because he has a hunger to coach again, or is he going to be another Jeff Jeff Van Gundy where we don't see him ever again in the in a circle of being a head coach? Wishing the best of luck. Wish Danny Ainge the best of luck. He had a great, great career as an executive for the Celtics, getting them tons of first-round draft picks, making good trades that helped him get Garnett and Ray Allen, get, uh, drafting great guys like Brown and Tatum, getting uh, Carrie Irving and others to help his team be good. We'll see what Stevens has, uh, has in store as an executive and what he could do to help this team that was only 500 this past season become uh, have some kind of resurgence next season where they're back to being one of the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. More news that came out of out of the NBA this out of, um, out of the NBA was that Chris Paul, at 36 years old, says he's going to opt out. He didn't even say that I'm going to see what the Phoenix Suns do. The rest of the playoffs before I make a decision. No, he's saying I'm going to opt out of a $44.4 million option and look for a three-year option with some other team and hopefully make over $100 million. Now, opting out doesn't mean that the Suns don't have a chance of resigning him. Actually, ladies and gentlemen, the Suns have an opportunity to offer him the most money because teams can sign their free agents to more money than free agents that are available. We'll see if he wants to stay there. I think if the Suns win a championship this year, it will definitely make him want to resign. You know, today I also learned that the New York Knicks have over $60 million in salary cap. $60 million in salary cap. They need a point guard. So the question of the day is, what do the Knicks do? Do the Knicks try to get Lonzo Ball and sign him to a contract that's not going to be maybe as much as Chris Paul and use his rest of his five or six years of being in in his 20s and hopefully using that to their advantage with the young team that they already have with Emmanuel quickly topping Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, and others, and R.J. Barrett? Or do they go after the 36-year-old veteran who was a great leader and hope that Chris Paul can yet use his magic yet again that he has done with the last two teams that he's in. When he was OKC, the OKC won more games than they were supposed to win. Now he went to the Suns, and the Suns became the second-best team in the NBA and have Monty Williams on the bridge of probably winning the Coach of the Year, even though I think Tom Thibodeau should. That's just me. So, long story short, 
will Chris Paul resign with the Suns and get the most money that he wants? Or will he sign with the Knicks? Or will he sign for a low amount of money just to be just to be a part of a team and make a perfect uh three elite stars in a team? That could be the Lakers, ladies and gentlemen. That could be him maybe going back to even the Clippers, you know? Paul, George, and Leonard, great. Three marquee names. Or he can go to the Lakers and replace Dennis Schroeder and make Paul Davis and LeBron James great, um, a great one, two, three punch. Or he can help continuously grow the Knicks into being one of the marquee teams in the Eastern Conference by signing with the Knicks. That's his choice. You know, long story short, after being in the Western Conference for a majority of the last eight to ten seasons between the Clippers, Houston, OKC, and the Suns, it will be a big difference maker for him to try to move his team from, move his family, not his team, but his family from the West, West Coast to the East Coast. But we'll see what happens there. So, ladies and gentlemen, the NFL. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, the NFL is able to do something now that they weren't able to do last year. Last year, because of COVID and because of safety reasons and because there was no vaccine and because every day we were learning something new about COVID, teams didn't really practice, didn't have mini camps, didn't have OTAs, didn't have the rookies practicing to, with each other. Instead, teams were able to meet probably most likely late July and start to have practices on the field in in August and have their three preseason uh, their four preseason games and go on with the season with that. And for me, one of the teams I'm uh, uh, you know one of the players I was thinking about that maybe suffered because of the lack of practices and all these virtual practices and learning stuff virtually. It's not you know listen I wasn't there when they were having these meetings, but there's nothing like being in the practice field and going along with your your teammates and finding out. What's the best way to react when certain things happen on the field, when this happens, when that happens, when whatever? What chemistry wasn't built up because of the practices? You know, Daniel Jones had a new off offensive coordinator in Jason Garrett. He had to learn who Jason Garrett is. Jason Garrett is not Turner, um, not Turner, um, Shula, uh, Don Shula's son, um, who was the offensive coordinator for the for the New York Giants in 2019, they're not the same players. They're expecting different, different, um, different things out of their players. But Daniel Jones didn't have that ability to be on the field and learn the plays like everyone normally does prior to the season. And I think it affected him in terms of being effective on the playing field. We'll see what happens. With all the OTAs and his own individual drills and, and, and workouts that he did with the tight ends and wide receivers. We'll see if he progresses. The New York Giants gave him tons of pieces in terms of receivers to improve. They didn't really improve their offensive line. But if Daniel Jones progresses, it's only going to help this team take it to the next level and potentially be a 500 team or better. So another week passed. Last week I said Julio Jones looked like he was going to be traded because Adam, Adam Schefter said it, and it did not happen. And this is what I mean. You listen to these experts. They get you happy. And long story short, the trades, the, the moves that you expected to happen did not happen. 
And long story short, ladies and gentlemen, Julio Jones is still with Atlanta. Aaron Rodgers still with the Green Bay Packers. So off to the Major League Baseball, ladies and gentlemen. The A's were in first place. They look like the only team in Major League Baseball who went from one of the worst teams to becoming one of the best teams in baseball. They were 1-7 in the first eight games, and then they had their own long 10-game win streak that they seem to always have. And now they're in first place in the American League West, while the Twins still haven't found out who they are. Or maybe they have. Maybe baseball has found out who Rocco Bodelli is, and he found out what is his tendencies and how he likes to manage because, long story short, the Twins are in last place. Who would have thought that they would be in last place? Not me. So one of the te- divisions right now that I thought probably had a, a division where almost any team was definitely going to be 500. A, te- a division where I thought, man, it's going to depend on how the bullpen is, how this rotation is, and how they play late in games, and whoever has the best uh, August and September record, and blah, 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 blah. That division is in the National League East. I thought that the Marlins would be great. Would be 500. I thought the Phillies would be 500. I thought that the Braves would be 500. And long story short, every team was going to be 500. But ladies and gentlemen, only one team in the National League East is 500. And that team, if you don't know, is my New York Mets. They have a four and a half game lead. And long story short, with all the injuries they have, there they are playing great. Today, they're going to face the San Diego Padres, which is a great matchup because if the Mets continue playing the way they are, Padres are definitely a team that they will probably be facing in the playoffs come playoff time in October. Off to the National League West. The National League West is, is somewhat like a, a three-team musical chairs race for first place. Between the, the Giants, between the, uh, the Dodgers, and the Padres. Lastly, within the last two weeks, I saw a baseball game, ladies and gentlemen. And it was a game probably that included the Mets. But for whatever reason, the whole infield was on the right side. There was no shortstop. There was no third baseman, no second baseman in the left side of the infield. And they created something on the right side of the, of the diamond, of the infield. What do they create, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I call it, it's the baseball own version of a force field. Now, if you think about it, technically, you can't, it's not a force field because they're not basically taking up the whole infield. But it plays so much in the mind of the hitter, it is almost like they do have a force field. Because it seems like majority of the hitters, rather than go for the possible, which is basically hit a, a hard bunt single that goes into the outfield and get a single because they left it completely open and the catcher couldn't get there. Nobody's going to get there. So if a single just went a little bit past third base, you get a single because no one will be there. Because they want to do this shift. They want to do this force field that says all left left-hand hitters are pull hitters 
and they don't hit balls well to the opposite side. So we must put everybody on the right side of the infield. Most baseball players, left-hand hitters, fall for this trick. And they continue hitting the way they have in the past. And they fall under this, under the demographic, not demographic, but they fall under the, fall for the trick that they, that they, they can't hit opposite, opposite of, um, they can't hit the ball to the left field. They can't hit the ball left side of the infield. It seemed like they will always hit the ball on the right side. And they fall for it. Rather than make it a tendency that they do this hard-bunt hard single and always get signals and start making teams think about, wait a minute, maybe we should start putting guys on the left side because, man, we don't want him to get always get a bunt single on us. That's embarrassing. Because, ladies and gentlemen, getting a hit from a bunt where the infield guy was too slow to react, bobbled the ball, or didn't have enough arm to throw the guy out on first base is embarrassing. But to say that you sh you planned to play defense against a guy that you thought that he was going to hit on the right side, and yet he fooled you and hit it to the left side and got a signal is embarrassing. But for whatever reason, ladies and gentlemen, left field, left hand hitters don't do that when the shift is dramatically to the right. Managers don't make adjustments. And long story short, they hit a ground ball where the second baseman is in, literally in the outfield. Where a blooper would probably be usually is usually at in the outfield between the infield and the outfield. Right in the middle. Where the blooper happens, it usually happens because the outfield and the infield don't want to collide. And for whatever reason, the communication did not align between the both of them. And they, they hesitate. And that hesitation works well for the hitter because the ball goes bloop. And it's a single. But ladies and gentlemen, this is what I, I am angry at baseball. You know, they could definitely change things around and work with uh, and, and, and do these hard bunch sunk singles. They could work on hitting the ball opposite field because right now this whole shifting, um, shifting the whole infield to the right side it is, is just crazy because, man, you're giving me the whole left field to hit a, a ball and all I have to do is bunt the ball. And none of the teams take advantage of it. I mean, listen, put your pride aside. Get the hit. Help your team win. That's just me. I don't know if that's just me or if anybody else is with me. But long story short, left field, left hand hitters don't do the bunt single. Rather go for the out. Anyway. WWE released more wrestlers, ladies and gentlemen, between last March and, and yesterday. They have released over 10 wrestlers. They have maybe even more than, more than 20 wrestlers. Different executives, different announcers. Having no fans has hurt the WWE. WWE being uh, in business longer than AEW hasn't really welcomed fans at 50% or even 100% capacity. Actually, better yet... And Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, they don't have fans yet, while NXT has a few. But long story short, WWE released its former champion, Braun Strowman, Ruby Riot, Lana, Alistair Black, who just came back, Murphy, and someone else, something, something Garrett. You know, it's kind of sad that wrestlers 
get released. You don't want anyone to get fired. You know, this is, I don't think that they got fired or released because they weren't talented enough. I think they got released because COVID has gotten the best of WWE because they're not able to have 15,000 screaming fans on Mondays and Fridays in pay-per-view events for more than 15 months. I wish the best of luck to these wrestlers. Hopefully, WWE will start making the money back enough where they can get some of these wrestlers back. If they don't, best of luck going to AEW or Japan or wherever they, they go. Anyway, that is my episode, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truth and Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Rowan. I'm literally reporting in the middle of nowhere. But yet, if you really listen to what I'm saying, you know where I'm at. Anyway, you can get the Truth and Rally show on Spotify, in Apple, in any podcast apps that are out there, ladies and gentlemen. Spotify and Apple are basically the top ones. Yet again, I'm Anthony Roman. You can follow me on Instagram on the Truth Rally Show um, profile. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's my episode. Have a great day and even better night. Bye-bye.